Blog Talk Radio. Uh, 
Um, but if you come here with a sinister purpose, you won't live long on this show anyways. Um, we're going to be doing some new uh, for programming, I guess is the word, formatting maybe, but programming for sure. Uh, this show's been running now for a little more than a year. Um, it's a spinoff from a show that we used to call News from the Front Lines, and that was primarily a news show that had a segment that was more like this show, and this show came out of it. Uh, the show has done really well on the on the market that it's at, but I'm not good at um, pulling things along the way I once was, and it seemed that this show was uh, not flying on its own weight. And although we have amazing guests and amazing listeners, and uh, when I coax the listeners to speak, they speak well, uh, I didn't have enough people jumping into the arena on their own uh, wanting to be part of the show. So... Um, we changed things around a little bit towards the end of the year, and I started doing reruns when I didn't have fresh guests and fresh topics, because much as I'm able to and I enjoy once in a while a long-winded monologue, <coughs> I don't want to commit to two hours of said monologue every week um, without help. And so uh, after you know playing a few rebroadcasts, uh, enough people came to me and said, hey, we need to... We need to make this show happen again. That uh, we called together a meeting uh, just last week, and we came up with this novel idea. And I, I'm actually really pleased with myself on this one. Um, and we decided that part of the beauty of the show is its its authenticity, its uh, raw insight into the human solution, its members, its supporters. Uh, there's no front, there's no uh, sponsorship, there's no commercials. It's really just us. It's kind of a real reality show, if you will. As much as I hate the term reality show, and I've never watched so much as uh, a segment of a real of a of a produced reality show, the appeal of a voyeuristic experience, looking in on something that's real and uh, interesting and possibly exciting, possibly volatile, possibly uncomfortable, is appealing to a lot of people. And I thought to myself, why don't we open up this show, if we need to, uh, in segments as necessary, to the human solution at work? You know, we are an international organization that is loosely... Um, tied together with chapters all over the country and even in other countries. And it, we don't get together in formal meetings as much as conference calls and uh, online meetings and that sort of thing. So I thought, why not get the work we're going to do done in the radio show format? If And if we need to, we can discuss any of these things. We're a transparent organization. We've never had any uh, closed-door hidden agendas, so why not... Uh, open this up to the public as needed. And uh, the idea was embraced by the leadership team, and, and actually the leadership team is sitting on hold um, on the line right now, and it's kind of exciting. So what we're going to have now is uh, we'll have guests as, as they happen. We'll have topics as they happen. We'll continue to have our uh, chapter updates and uh, you know opportunities for guests to chime in as needed. 
but we'll also have an opportunity for the listening audience uh, to listen in on the human solution working um, as we as we operate the discussions, the real conversation, the sometimes humorous, sometimes um, uh, contentious uh, interactions that we have, and uh, it's kind of neat. We have a new board who has been working really well together, and I'm I'm excited uh, uh, to share them with you all. So before we get going, uh, last week uh, we did not do a live show, but last week uh, Craig Cecil did not call me. Um, who Normally he'll call me whether we have a live show or not, and I'm hoping he's okay. Um, we're going to be uh, bringing in Michael Minardi's going to be calling in uh, about 10 to 6 Pacific time, 10 to 9 Eastern time, and we're going to open up our discussion uh, on the legal clinic as is sort of our fallback topic today. Um, but before we get going, I want to talk about what what we do. What What's this about, all this activism? Um, you know, a lot of people uh, are in this for various different reasons. And some people are in this because somebody they know or themselves uh, picked up a case or had their child taken away from them. And it's a very personal battle. And they're in this to... Uh, achieve a very specific goal, and and I commend and applaud that. That's that's sort of where I came from. It certainly brought it out in me, <laughs> but uh, obviously it's been many years since that was happened. So I've been able to embrace the bigger picture. If you have a very specific reason for being an activist, uh, you or a member of your family or a loved one has lost their freedom or any element of their freedom, it's easy. You are on a mission to accomplish something, and you don't need to be driven. You don't need to worry about that fire. You don't need to worry about your inspiration, because it's right there in front of you. And it's just like anything. If you buy a new car, a red, you know, insert name of car, you may have never noticed them on the road before, but as soon as you have one, you'll see them everywhere. Um, the second you become uh, attacked by the system, and it doesn't seem to matter who's in charge, who's who's uh, you know in charge of Congress, who's in charge of the AG or the or the head prosecutor of your county or the president or the governor. None of that stuff seems to matter because I've been battling this stuff from the Bush administration, through the Obama administration, and now we're in the Trump administration, and nothing on this level really changes uh, or has changed significantly enough to cause me to not have to do it anymore. Um, so the politics of this is is somewhat um, irrelevant. The problem is systemic. The problem is deeper than the politics. The problem has gone from for 80-some years, back and forth, from party to party to party, and none of the parties have overcome it. Um, none of the parties really even tried, for that matter. So here we are, the people of America, the people of the United States especially, although we have members of our organization in Canada and other countries uh, that are dealing with similar issues, have spoken over the past 10 years, especially California. It was 20 years ago that we spoke and made our will be known publicly and said, you know, we, we think that this plant is okay enough for some people to have some access to it. 
and that has spread across the land so much so that I think there's more states that have some access uh, than don't. And the whole hemp notion is is catching fire, and 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 all of the um, the states' rights issues are are, are coming to front, um, and and. There's more discussion about this. There's actual research being done. The medicinal values are being proven. I have a 385-page document that, that is the state of the science from a huge group of scientists and doctors that have been validating their research. And I haven't finished reading through it, but it's exciting stuff. And it's never going to go backwards. We're never going to be able to, or they're never going to be able to put this back into the box that they did at one point and cause people to be afraid of it the way they were. But we're not there yet. We haven't hit that tipping point yet where the feds will stop, where uh, the raids will stop, where the the DCF or DCS uh, child thieving will stop, where the now the biggest new thing is the, uh, DUI checkpoints, and and you know now everybody's stoned and impaired and getting getting hit for that. That hasn't stopped. The motivation behind prohibition hasn't stopped. The reasons that caused it to exist have gotten maybe worse because now the real medicine and the real food, fuel and fiber, and the understanding of the cannabis plant as a soil repairer. Um, so many things that it can do um, to keep it illegal is 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 most difficult, but yet the government still has the law behind them, even in states where it's been um, approved for recreational and or medicinal purposes. The raids never stop; they haven't stopped. The seizure of property hasn't stopped. What it's going to take, and I and I you know continue to say this, it's going to take us to stop convicting people straight up. When we stop convicting people, regardless of what the judge tells us, regardless of what the law says, regardless of what the federal law says, for God's sake, when we stop convicting people, prohibition will end. It won't matter what the law says. Until then, we've got to fight our little battles and we've got to try to pass legislation. But once we pass the legislation, we have to get law enforcement to enforce that legislation. Um, you know, sometimes it's a bigger issue than we ever anticipate so let's get down to this why do we do this what's this about and i and i hopefully just laid down a, a fairly decent case this is about our rights it's about our civil liberties you know we've got aclu stepping up about you know uh changes to uh, american policy about uh foreign people coming and going well where is the outrage about American citizens having a right to grow a plant or not. Uh, how, where is that outrage? I have to wonder, you know, every time that the American people step up and, and, and start to march and start to have an issue with these vague and ambivalent uh, messages, wonder what would happen if every time a child was taken from their family or when a child that could have been saved by this plant died or had a yet another painful seizure, or every time that an older couple gets arrested for growing a plant that helps one of their family members, if there was that same outrage, I have to think, I'd have to think with a message that specific that we would cause the change that we need. So I want to take a step back. About four years ago, 
Um, four years ago today, I was in Missoula, Montana, um, and this evening we would have been starting to head back. We had uh, a bunch of us, I don't know, I think there's about 12 or 13 of us had gotten on this bus and had driven up uh, California, the center of California, up through Oregon, up through Washington, Washington, through Idaho, and into Montana for a man that uh, was being sentenced. He was a man who had uh, uh, historically pioneered a cannabis industry up in Montana at the time and had a, a large uh, cultivation and dispensary and all of this. And the feds came in, even though the state had acknowledged his um, operation and had blessed it and there was all the, the state support that was needed. The Fed said, no, that's not going to happen. And because there was firearms in, in, the, in an area where everybody has firearms, uh, they came after him and he was facing a 99-year sentence. Um, so it was a brutal situation and en enough of us got together to uh, cause support up there. The, the, the people up in Missoula, Montana were uh, fearful. Uh, they were afraid to come to court, and uh, they were afraid that they were going to get targeted. But when we rolled in with that big green bus and we were picketing and marching and protesting outside the snow-covered streets um, before Chris was wheeled in, um, the locals came out, and we ultimately caused that courtroom to be packed full. And uh, ultimately, the judge recognized our presence and uh, – uh, the defendant got a much lighter sentence, in my opinion, than he would have as a direct result of the support that he received, not just in the courtroom, but letters that were written and articles that were written, the media, and all of the things that had been done to bring awareness to this. And um, I have a recording somewhere from the defendant uh, thanking us. They, He had gone, you know, when they took him into custody, they put you into usually a local jail until the feds get you situated. So we were able to, two of the members of the trip were able to go in and visit him on our way back briefly um, while he was in this holding cell. And we got a recording of him talking to us, thanking us uh, for this experience. And, you know, 10 days, these activists um, – rode together on this bus and you know it's a hell of a bonding trip to spend 10 days together on a bus um but you know what's funny that was four years ago and today four years later um, there's only one person that i am still in regular contact with uh two counting the driver who i just spoke to recently for the first time in a while um and the one person that i'm still in contact with is my wife <laughs> who was uh, dedicated enough to this uh, mission to drop our lives for 10 days and get on this bus and, and, and go traveling uh, and do what we needed to do. And we said to ourselves the whole time that this trip is not about, insert defendant's name, uh, we always said, and we have uh, lots of video footage of, of this message, that we are all, insert defendant's name, um, any one of us could be that person, and we're not fighting for this person's freedom. When I was in my trial, I said it constantly. This isn't about me. Chris Lewandowski is facing a trial in the next couple of months. His message is the same. It's not about Chris. Uh, Shauna Banda has said the same thing. It's not about Shauna. This is about making real change. 
and occasionally uh, an individual gets called to do something exceptional, and sometimes that means uh, putting yourself in harm's way and 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 facing uh, a hor- horrifying risk of losing your property and your life and your liberty um, for a period of time. And sometimes it means getting on a bus and spreading a message and rallying people and and um, causing there to be inspiration along the way. And that's what we did. Um, but here we are four years later, one by one, the members of this of this merry band went on their own way and had issues with one thing or another. And today, none of us have anything really to do with each other. Um, and that's, in some ways, makes me sad. But in other ways, it causes me to see that what we're part of is bigger than any of us. And we don't ever know, uh, in the grand scheme of things, where we fit into this. Um, the effort that we did created the seeds of what is today the human solution. Some of the most vibrant chapters uh, of this organization grew out of that trip and people that we've met along the way and the lives that we've changed and the butterfly effect that happens. Um, it's 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 difficult to describe uh, without getting emotional. I find myself, when I think about the experience, uh, on some level I get a little frustrated because I saw what we did and what we could have done together. But the truth is that wasn't for me to decide. It wasn't for me to judge. It wasn't for me to uh, try to hold together. It, we all are on our own separate paths. In fact, the defendant himself uh, cut himself off of the support team that, that was us uh, for his own reasons. And, you know, again, when you're supporting somebody, um, there's no expectation of them supporting you back. There's no expectation of, of, of a reciprocal um, gratitude or, or um, helping, you know, when it's all said and done. There's none of that. You have to have a selfless uh, disconnect um, from this if you're going to be truly effective. You can be effective, of course, no matter what you do. Helping out in any way, don't get me wrong. There's not a right or wrong way to do this, and please don't misunderstand my message. If you help in any way, shape, or form, you are, you know, volumes uh, exponentially better, in my opinion, than one who doesn't help at all. But if you help in a way that has conditions and strings attached and um, uh, your vision of what has to happen um, you're going to probably end up being disappointed and you're going to probably end up being frustrated. you probably end up, you know, walking away and, and feeling like what you did wasn't worth anything. And I'm here to tell you that if you've ever helped, if you've ever um, fought for something that was bigger than yourself, and it doesn't matter whether it's a, a phone call to a elected representative or showing up in support for a, a defendant or a prisoner or um, you know, helping to organize something, making a sign, uh, marching one time, one place. I mean, there's there's so many things in so many ways that you can help. Donating a dollar or two to an organization that's going to do this because you, you're not able to. Any and all of those things and all the things that I didn't say are important, and they're important enough to consider doing, and they're important enough to consider that where we are today in our effort to end prohibition is markedly closer than we were four years ago. 
and four years prior to that, and four years prior to that. So um, I just, you know, want to want to shine a light on the bigger picture. And remember, this is about our rights. This is about the rights of our children, the rights of our grandchildren, and the rights of our great-grandchildren. At one point, your life is going to end. And at one point, my opinion is you're going to have an opportunity to look back on what you did or didn't do. And I would hope that everybody who has ever made that decision uh, to be part of something bigger than themselves and, and to be a part of a solution, be a part of making the world better, be in the part of, of um, furthering the idea and the ideals of a loving society will cause you to think that your life was worth it. And I know it does me. So that's my little rant today. It's never going to work out the way you think it. Don't overplan it. And you know what? Let's let's get to work. We've got so much to do and so many ways to do it. Uh, we have one of my favorite listeners on the line today, and I know she's been super busy and super active um, working in her own community, and I just can't wait to talk to her. So um, before we bring the big team up, I'm going to bring up my friend Lisa Sublett, and she's going to tell us about what's going on in Kansas right now and what she's been doing. Welcome to the show, Lisa. I could not wait. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Joe. I have missed you so much. I have missed you, and tonight it just got me. I was like, you know, I don't care how tired I am. I'm calling Joe because I just want to tell him I love him and I miss him, and I wanted to hear how things had been going and get kind of caught up. I'm getting ready to put me and the little one in the shower and get us to bed because I got another long day in Topeka tomorrow. <laughs> well, I, I understand you have been really busy out there. Um, you know, we're foraging forward, making a lot of big changes, and that's what this show is going to ultimately be is kind of a sounding board and a, and a development uh, think tank. Um, but what, what, what have you been up to? I've been seeing a little bit of, uh, of, of, of the effort. You've been doing a lot. Our group is fantastically busy on several fronts. Uh, I'm really <laughs> so proud of my little troop of warriors, I have to tell you, and, you know, and our, our larger group. And because God love our patients, you know, they, they want to do as much as they can, but, you know, they, they they just can't. They have to have someone stand in the gap for them. That's what it just it comes down to. It's the whole thing that started me on this journey. What would I do if it was my child? And, uh, you know, they're, when it's your family member or whatever else that you're caring for, most of the time they're stuck at home and they're unlimited income and they can't leave. And there's really, they have to have people stand in the gap for them. They have to have people get in there and do it for them. So that's what we've been doing. We reworked the bill completely with a lot of experts. We found so much love in the industry. I have to tell you, so many good people got so excited uh, when they heard what we were doing in Kansas. We had so many people step up to help us. So we got advice from third-party certifiers, you know, that make sure that medicine is organic. We worked with regulatory um, groups. We worked with some world-renowned growers. Uh, we worked with people who build um, ecologically sustainable greenhouses. We worked with... <laughs> I learned right. more about labs and lab language than I ever wanted to know in my life. 
Uh, I don't grow anything. I walk into a room and a plant dies, yet I know light bulbs and grow mediums. <laughs> we went, ah. So we reworked that whole bill, and I'm not even joking, with 12-hour-long conference calls, uh, sometimes days in a row, uh, lots of emails and stuff. So long story short, we we uh, made what we thought is a very solid bill with a lot of input from good people. And uh, the sucker is 79 pages long. <laughs> oh, boy. And, yeah, but as you and I both know, if you don't get that horse out the gate in the right way, uh, you will have some consequences. So we wanted to get that horse out the gate the right way. It's people in the industry, the feedback we hear is that they're very proud of, I would say, we strove so hard. Um to take in all the feedback we've heard from you and other friends and other people throughout all, you know, so we balanced really hard with protecting patients, probably more than they're protected anywhere else, protecting all of their rights and uh, their caregivers' rights, their family members' rights, their rights at work, their uh, rights in traveling. We travel, we protect those traveling through our state. We offer reciprocity from other states, people coming from other states. Yeah, we we do as much as we can to absolutely protect the right of of patients and stuff. And at the same time, we try to meet all of the public safety concerns that people have, whether we feel they're legitimate or not, they're there. And if you don't answer those, you're not going to get anywhere. Um, we gave veterans preference in security companies. Um Oh, we just, we, anyway, we worked really, really hard on it. It's an ecologically sustainable bill, non-for-profit, uh, collective model, which a lot of people like or don't like, but we did. <laughs> we um, we worked very hard. Everything that we saw uh, that we liked about certain models uh, that works, we took things that, that didn't work about those models. Uh, we said, what's the problem? And then we solved the problem and made it work. So we worked really hard. So the bill is in. We introduced it in the Senate and House. And um, now we are just, uh, you know, making those appointments every day. <laughs> are you um, able to sit on the phone for another 15 minutes? Okay, sure. Because i got Craig Cecil calling from federal prison, and I just oh, um, yes. I need to bring him up. Okay, excellent, excellent. All right, I'm going to go ahead and put him up right now. Oh, shit. I just hung up on him. God dang it. I hit the wrong button. All right, he'll call back. Okay, continue on. Continue on. You're going to have another couple minutes. Oh, no. Poor Craig. I know. Oh, I just no. have my, 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 my stupid, excited thumb went and hit the wrong button. Uh, <laughs> hey, I can't call so him back. That's the worst thing. Yeah. I know. It's just because you were so excited to hear from him. I know. I know. I've done exactly. That I'm like, oh, 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 then boom, I hit the wrong button. Yeah. Oh, killing I've me. I've done that before when getting calls from, from uh, you know, jail or whatever, people that I'm excited to hear from hit the wrong button and you hang up right. on them. You're like, oh, yeah. Uh-huh, so we're, uh-huh. just, we're just working it. Oh, we're here he is. It. All right. This time okay. I'm going to accept here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you just have to uh, put up with this whole thing. You know how it is. An inmate at a federal prison. This call is being recorded and is subject to monitoring. Hello, Craig. Hello, Joe. I apologize. I accidentally hung up on you. I uh, was I was excited that you called in. 
and my thumb got all clumsy and hit the wrong button. Well, <laughs> that happened last week. I was mad. I, I sat in the cell and watched the clock. We were locked in our cells for showtime. Oh, I was wondering what had happened, and I, I I didn't see a message come through on CoreLink, so I figured it was just a, you know, just a glitch that that you know it happens sometimes. So, uh, yes, uh, tell me what's been going on out there in Terre Haute. Well, Terre Haute, we got a new complex warden. This is a prison complex. It's made up of actually three different prisons. Uh, penitentiary, a, a high security uh, prison, a medium security prison where I'm at, or a prison camp. And each prison has its own warden, plus there's a complex warden. So we, we just got a new warden now, the complex warden. And he started making some changes, I guess, just to prove there's a new warden. Oh, no, that doesn't like, sound uh, like they're good changes. No, like, uh, we, of course, shop uh, uh, once a week at the prison commissary, the prison store. Well, he decided that the store, the store sold too many items. So he just went ahead and started saying, no, 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 we're cutting out this, 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 this. He cut out a whole lot of things that the store sells. Oh, no. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, no real explanation, except he wants to assert the fact that he's the new warden. That's like one of the only, only joys that comes out of a place like that is once a week you get a fill out your commissary uh, order. That's correct. Well, now that list is going to be significantly shorter. Well, it's not like the stuff that's on it's all that fantastic to begin with, but compared to what they offer you a, a, away from it, it's. You know, it's like shopping at Harrods. Oh, and, and especially because uh, a few years back they went to what's called a national menu, whereas all the prisons are supposed to serve the same menu every week. But they significantly cut back how much food we get. Oh, great. That's, we only, that's what's needed. We only get, on average, about 2,000 calories a day. Wow. And they just beat everything they serve. And... You know, for a grown man, that's just not enough. So. Well, in the in the uh, well in the in the county system, it's the opposite of that. It, you know, the, the food is horrible, but it's packed full of calories, and there's usually no shortage of it. No, here they've they cut us back pretty pretty deeply. <laughs> wow. So you, you you you're kind of left with having to buy things at the commissary, you know, just for sustenance. I mean, just to get through the night, you know, you, you need food. Right, right. Well, um, ha have there been? I mean, with the with the last round of uh, of of uh, clemencies that came through, uh, was there any any other developments that that you heard of of anybody that we knew or anything interesting that happened? We don't know anybody that we know. Happily, one of the uh, people whose petitions I wrote was commuted. So oh, that's good. That, that was my little piece of joy. <laughs> and but, what, uh, what about your, um, you know, your whole ongoing saga? Anything new happen with that? No, no. Uh, the next date for me is February 13th. I get to see how the prosecutor's going to explain what they did. Because as you know, what's before the Court of Appeals now is to figure out how my sentence or how my case should be adjusted because the prosecutor went in and made a motion in my court 
naming also a uh, defense attorney as if I had agreed. And part of that agreement was to uh, relinquish or void or, you know, dismiss my clemency petition with the president. Well, of course, I've never agreed to that. Right. But, but the petition got thrown out. Now the courts are charged by figuring out, you know, how do they make up for that wrong? Right. I mean, that, that, that could have, in essence, uh, made you a free man. And and they denied you the 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 due process of that right. Absolutely, because I had a right to at least be considered. You right. Know, I, I have no right right to be granted, but at least I should have been considered. And as you know, they'd be hard pressed to find somebody with more support than I have. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, and and you know, in, in some ways, uh, it it troubles me that I I I've experienced the. Sadistic nature of some of these poor bastards, and I just can't help but wonder if you know all the support ended up just making somebody go, you know what, fuck this guy, um, you know we're gonna we're gonna undermine all of this. I mean, I'm not saying that that's what happened, but there's a part of me that that you know, it, it, I just I, I've looked in the eyes of some of these guys, and you know they're they're just maybe a click away from you know being a demon. I mean, these people have no no hearts inside of them. I've, 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 you know, seen inside the void. Oh, I see those people here every day, so I know exactly the kind of people you're talking about. But unfortunately, you know, the the system that was in place for um, to consider the clemency petitions was, you know, was structurally defective by itself. I mean, they allowed the the prosecutors to figure out, you know. Who should be commuted and who should not be? Yeah, that's what you want to do. Yeah, you want to give the prosecutors any more power. That always works out. So it was really, you know, as much as they started out with the goal of freeing about 10,000 people, the system itself failed. And, you know, so many of them were actually recommended, according to the review at the Office of Partner Attorney, but the individual prosecutors or the deputy uh, attorney general, Sally Yates, who finally got fired this week, right. she uh, nixed a lot of them that the partner attorney had actually recommended for clemency. Wow. Wow. So really the system itself was defective. Do you know what the total number of uh, of clemencies that Obama uh, granted was when it was all said and done? Uh, 1,715. And how did that rank in the in the overall? Double check. I believe that's fifteen hundred and something commutations, and somewhere around two hundred uh, pardons. Okay. And how does that rank him in the in the list of presidents? Do you know? Um, extremely high. Yeah. Um, the only the only ones that are close is like President Johnson did a blanket amnesty or a blanket commutation. For all the draft dodgers. Right, right. Yeah, that that'd be a hard so, one to beat. Right, but as far as individual ones and clemencies uh, that were individually tailored to each prisoner, I think uh, President Obama. I mean, is, by far is, is the champion. I, I, right. I well, think the next closest people only have a, a couple, two or three hundred of them. I, I wasn't his biggest fan for a lot of reasons, but for that. I, I was hoping and, and praying that he would at least 
step up and 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 deliver this one and there's you know like you say 1700 people that at least um you know have a have a road home if they're not home already and you got to you got to have joy for that anyways um but you know in your situation you're you're a t- couple weeks away from um potentially a huge decision that the appellate court could could rule in your favor i mean anything they can do just about right I mean, the decision won't be for months, just the way the federal system Right, works. right. But, but, Especially the federal system in Georgia. <laughs> well, um, but, but nonetheless, uh, they're, they're, they usually give an inkling of their opinion when they make their comments. It, not always, but my experience with the appellate court is if you sit and listen to the oral arguments and you listen to the comments made by the panel of judges, Typically, there's an indicator of which way they're leaning. That's true. That's true. Now, oral argument, um, it hasn't even been term- determined whether we'll have oral argument. Oh. Right oh. now, we're still in the pleading stage, and everybody keeps putting in for extensions. And, Got it. But like I say, the, the prosecutor's answer is due on February 13th, so I'll, I'll be able to see for the first time how they explain or how they rationalize what they did. <laughs> the facts I can't deny, but, you know, how they try to rationalize it is, I don't know, it debates me so far. <laughs> well, hopefully, uh, you know, at least having an opportunity that's a real, and, you know, uh, the odds are, frankly, that, you know, this date will get continued out. I mean, my my, my appeal on a state-level drug on for two years uh, before they finally heard the oral arguments, and uh, you know, I don't know. I, my guess is that the federal level isn't any better suited for that. But nonetheless, anything can happen, and the fact is, it's in that process now. So that's, you know, you got to look for hope where it is. And you know, as much as so many people, you have not, you probably have an idea, but uh, I doubt if you realize the scope of how many people that I'm even aware of were really pushing so hard for you um, and, and had, you know, made phone calls to the White House and letters and emails and sometimes all three and sometimes multiple times. Um, and so, you know, when you, when you make a mark like that in the universe, there's, you're forging a path, whether, you know, you don't ever know where it's all going to come out, but it's, the groundwork is happening. You're, you know, there's, there's a crack in this thing. It's going to go all the way. I think the the prosecutor that filed that bogus motion, I think they knew that. I think <laughs> I think that that's the reason that they really, you know, reached over the line so far. Like the uh, like the uh, player in football that'll, you know, risk a foul to, to try to stop the the touchdown. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, it's funny. I'm 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 the kind of guy that says if we charged up the hill and ran into the wall, I say we shake it off and charge it again. Because the wall always breaks eventually, and you know I'm 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 probably going to uh, launch another campaign and let's hit the new White House with our intention and and let them know what got left behind. You know uh, we we don't know much about Trump as far as his presidential inclinations. We all have a lot of speculation based on what he said and not said, but we know the guy is subject to do anything, anything he feels like it. And, you know, uh, what's right and wrong, it's hard to say 
uh, how much this guy is going to be affected by it. But I do know this. He is affected by uh, people's opinion and and how they view him. He's a, he's affected a lot about by that. And it's it's my thinking that this isn't a uh, international policy issue. This isn't a matter of of homeland security or, or keeping America safe. This is a matter of simple right and wrong. And I just can't help but think that if the heartland of America speaks out a little bit like we've been doing um, uh, and, and keeps bringing to attention that there's some real wrongs going on inside here that can be fixed, who knows? You know, I'm, I'm all about the chance. I think so. And if you look at, I think uh, President Trump is also about uh, separating himself from President Obama. I agree. And, uh, and of those 1,700 commutations, virtually all of them were for drug offenses, and over half of them were for crack cocaine uh, offenses. Right. Nine marijuana lifers received relief under out of that 1,700, whereas I believe it's around eight or 900 of them. Uh, were crack cocaine cases. You know what? Trump might want to target the marijuana a little more than, you know, the inner city crack dealers. Well, just to separate himself. And the other thing is, a lot of the, I don't know about a lot, but a a portion of the people that Obama uh, had granted clemency to actually had flaws with their cases. They had... um, victims and they had violent crimes attached to a number of them that I'm aware of and I, I, I didn't study all of these things. Oh, there's your first beep. Alright, Craig, well I'm gonna give you your first your full beep to, to to lay it on us. What do you got for us this week? Well, I I like that you're staying in the fight for for marijuana and especially for those of us in prison for marijuana. Oh I'm not going anywhere until everybody's free. And like you say, with the with this new administration, anything is possible. So I think we are pressuring to keep those of us and and those people being uh, derived their medication or being denied their medication and us being denied our freedom. I think uh, we all have a chance with you and and all your listeners helping us out, just putting us in the spotlight. Well, we're going to continue to do that, and, uh, you know, that's, that's all the best thing I can think to do. All right. Now, we we got to still get ready for that trip, I am ready. I've got fishing poles looped up and ready to go, so you just say when. Oh, there, there he goes. So, once again, we get our 15 minutes, and, uh, you know, it's it's funny. I, I didn't talk to him. Uh, last week, and, uh, you know, Craig and I, um, he's an inmate. I've never met him in person. I've, I plan on getting approved to go visit him and, and go out there, but, I, you know, it's difficult for me to travel to Indiana um, to do that. And yet I feel every time I talk to him, uh, you know, like we're, uh, you know, we're brothers, you know, and we've known each other forever, and that fishing trip we talk about is going to happen. I, I visualize it. I, I've dreamed about it, and uh, I just know it's going to happen. So, Lisa, I apologize. No, I don't apologize. You know how it is. We this is what happens <laughs> when you're dealing with this uh, this side of the world. We have uh, you know people that get an opportunity to talk from the other side of the wire, and uh, we we stop what we're doing and give them a voice. 
Oh, yeah. And it's those phone calls are so important for them. They're just so important. And he's just uh, his. it just breaks my heart that he didn't make uh, clemency. I was just sitting here thinking about that and how, you know, well, the clemency. Especially for the reason <laughs> why, you know. I mean, he didn't get a chance. That friggin' prosecutor decided to throw a wrench in the whole thing and, and, and disqualify him by filing this motion. And uh, he didn't even, he didn't even get a chance. Yeah. I mean, it just, and yet the clemency he wrote for someone else worked. That's just yeah, amazing. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, it's a funny thing about uh, a little less than, you know, it was a week ago, um, a week ago today. In fact, I was driving down the freeway and I was doing about 75 miles an hour with the flow of traffic, and all of a sudden I lost power uh, with the truck I was driving. And so I said, oh, something's wrong. I start to work myself over. I was in the, um, not the fast lane, but the next lane over. So I had three lanes I needed to get over to get to a safe spot. All of a sudden my back wheels lock up, and I start fishtailing. And I oh, look over to the right of me, and... Uh, I see a car there. I'm like, oh, crap, I can't be there. So I, I swing the car around. It slides over to the left. I start spinning. I'm literally spinning on the freeway, right, totally out of control, and I'm trying to drive this thing in. And the next thing I know, I come to a, a dead stop right in the center of the gore point, which is the little in, imaginary island between the lanes and the off-ramp. Smack dab in the center of this thing. The only safe place there is... You know, anywhere, right? And nobody hit me. Nobody hit each other. And I didn't hit anybody. There was no, within seconds, the freeway was as though nothing had ever happened. Okay? And I thought to myself, when this happened, I mean, it's, you know, this is like literally the hand of God just picked up my truck and says, nope, not yet. And pushed me in the one, uh, literally, if you would have saw how this truck landed, it was like perfectly parked straight in the very center of this little safe point. Couldn't have been a, a better place for it to land. There was no other place it could have landed safely. And I, I, I thought about this. At the same time, I had tore my knee up a few days prior to that. So I've been kind of hobbling around. Um, and and I, I got to think about, you know, things and about, you know, priorities and you think about, you know, where am I spending my energy and my time and, and um, you know, what, it, 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 is this all worth it? All of those things come across your mind when you get one of these little, uh, you know, moments of, of mortality. And uh, that's when I started thinking about all this work and all of these people that have, you know, had their lives. You think about all the phone calls you get with the tears and the, you know, uh, we couldn't have done it without you guys. Uh, the the mm-hmm. you kept us going in the darkest times. The uh, the remembering the phone calls from the guy that's serving a life sentence and all of those things. And um, you know, it's very humbling. And uh, you know, but but it also is very inspiring. So I uh, have have taken this week as I'm trying to recover my leg and keep it from getting worse hurt. Um, and, and trying to focus on those things that are important. And, you know, we decided to uh, sort of restructure this show a little bit so we can do a live show every week or more often than we do anyways. And uh, uh, I think it's important. I think that this work is important. And certainly uh, making changes in a place like Kansas where it's it's like, a, <laughs> it's like a, the dark ages. I mean, when I came out there a year and a half ago, it was, it was shocking. 
um, to see how how they view um, you know this thing, and you talk to all the people that have been affected. And so my question is: is in this legislation that you guys worked so hard, um, did we address the you know the inmate population and uh, the mandatory sentences that could happen if somebody does break the new law? <clears throat> well, we um, there's no mandatory sentences, uh, um, at least on our law. Uh, one thing that it does do is that if somebody, um, one thing that we learned is that industry-wide and um, the, you know, I know you call them so-called legal states, <laughs> um, yeah. that a lot of people who have records are excluded from the industry. And that we know that that affects the racial dynamics even within the industry, that those who have been most harmed are most excluded. So we have a pathway for people who have convictions um, uh, because this is a medical bill. If they can prove it was for medical reasons, like they had a, their condition was still in place at that time, or they were doing it for someone in their family, or you know someone caregiving, let's say they were growing for someone because their their wife had cancer, and that's why they went to prison for two years. Um, you know they can't be excluded from being in the industry or holding a license, um, or for you know working in the industry, and then um, also that if anybody has current charges that would follow uh, would fall under the law, they can um, get those um, reviewed. And if they can, if they have the medical. So let's say somebody just was was sentenced for a cultivation uh, charge, and they were given a prison term, and they're in prison right now. But they were they would have had a, a medical defense had they had that opportunity. Um, there's a there's an appeal in process that they can go and have it revisited. Yeah. Yes, we have recourse in okay. that, and also we we don't exclude medicine um, from really any person in the state uh, in any environment, whatever that they're in. We we allowed it so that if let's say nursing homes want to become um, caregivers, um, even if they want to become cultivating caregivers, let's say the nursing home wants to have you know a medicinal grow out back, they could. Um, oh, nice. So, <laughs> Yeah, we also allow overages and storage. So um, even though we don't have uh, plant limits or anything like that, what we have is it's based on what your doctor recommends, just like any other recommendation that your doctor gives you. And so that's the only thing you're limited by. Just like, you know, if I take my antibiotics down to the pharmacy, I get what the doctor wrote. And, um, and if that doesn't work, I go back to my doctor and I work that out with my doctor. So... But for patients, well, sounds like you guys are, actually put a little common sense into this. <laughs> we try. So our now I hate now, to I hate to think that's going to make it a poison pill, but <laughs> you know how government is. But I mean, I mean, what what's your thoughts on you know you you introduced the bill today or was it today or yesterday? Uh, last week. Oh, last week. I'm sorry. I'm you know. Yeah, I'm, we introduced it into. We introduced it into the Senate in the morning and to the House in the afternoon, and then I race home for the hour-long drive and get home in time to pick my kindergartner up every day. Nice. I, do. <laughs> oh, I love but, it. I love um, it. Yeah, we, we introduced, and now we're just um, – actually, I still have to do that tonight before I go to sleep, but I 
uh, send an email to all the committee members every day with some uh, important information. So like the first one we did, because we had a 600% increase in heroin overdose deaths just in one county of Kansas. Uh, and um, I mean, the opiate crisis has come to fully rest. And I was at the asset forfeiture and seizure hearing the other day, and even one of the police who was testifying against the bill, of course, um, said, he said, you know, we have just now reached the tipping point of the opiate crisis in Kansas, and it's all downhill from there. Here, he's like, you really have no idea what's coming. So, um, so the first one was on harm reduction um, and uh, decreasing that opiate use. And you know, proving that point. Yesterday, I sent out a lengthy email on the ECS, um, and a lot of it was in medical speak. I did one section not so medical speak, and one section was pretty medical speak because we actually have a lot of doctors on these committees this year, so nice. they can handle the they can handle the big work. Right, right. Good, and good. so, <laughs> yeah, tonight I'll give them a break, and I'm just going to send a couple videos about our patients, kind of introduce them to some names and faces, and then. Uh, Friday, we're going to hit them with some economic information, impact information. So we're just trying to do topic-focused emails uh, every single day. Uh, if we don't, basically, I have 22 days to live or die. Uh, if I don't have a hearing before the 23rd, I'm dead this session. So I am just full-on pedal to the metal, um, me and my board member, Don Brooks. Uh, so we just, I think, like I said, tomorrow, I think our first appointment's at 9.15, and I think our last one's at 1 o'clock or 1.30, one of the two, um, which kept it close for me because I have to be leaving Topeka by, by 2 uh, to get home to pick the little one up from kindergarten because um, it's an hour drive, but um, which is nothing in California, I realize. That's like a trip to the grocery store. but um, Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, and since I grew up in the country and I'm a country kid, I'm, it's just like, yeah, whatever. Um, right. So, we just have to be able to the We're trying to visit with all these committee members. And I've asked for a joint hearing with Senate and House. Um, and the House chairman in years past has said he would be very willing to do that. He knows how hard it is for the patients to get out. Uh, either financially or physically, uh, it's difficult for them to travel. So just hoping that the Senate chair will agree to that. And um, I asked for a hearing date on the 14th. I haven't had a response yet, so we'll see. I thought Valentine's Day was fitting. Yes, but, I, um, I, I couldn't agree more. Well, let me let me <laughs> ask you this. If, if there were hundreds or thousands of people, um, constituents, of course, would have to be to, to be effective, that were able to speak um, to this as well, or let their uh, let their representatives know that this was important. Um, how would they reach you to find out what to do? Uh, well, anybody from Kansas can absolutely contact us at info at bleedingks.org. Uh, that's the word bleeding, just like what you think it is. And uh, we're not being gory. It's a historical term. <laughs> bleeding Kansas. Uh, you can you can Google it. Uh, but people, these parts know what that means. Um, so, uh, but it's just info at bleedingks.org. Uh, and we can give you that information. But you can always go to our Facebook page, which is Bleeding Kansas Advocates. Um, and um, we have 
an event called Step Up for the Kansas Safe Access Act, uh, two back-to-back events. And in there is a petition that you can sign. We have a, a petition that we're asking people to sign, and you can sign that from wherever you are around the world, around the country. That helps us out. And if you leave, especially if you leave comments, uh, I retweet those um, to the legislature. Um, so signing our petition would help us a lot. That's going to go directly to Senate and House. Um, if anybody has a story about how cannabis has healed them in their life, uh, again, you don't have to be from Kansas. We'll submit those as written testimony into our hearing. If you're willing to submit a testimony, just dear chairperson and then your story. And thank you very much. Uh, you know, uh, name city state. That's all it takes. But uh, or if you just support the right of patients to medical cannabis or you have something you want to say about cannabis as medicine, um, we take those testimonies as well. Uh, so um, you don't have to just be from Kansas. Obviously, we want to hear from Kansas people, but obviously there's a lot of people in this field and in this industry that have a lot of good information that our lawmakers need to hear. So. Um, we would appreciate any of that support in the community. Um, please sign our petition, send in testimonies. But if you have friends or family in Kansas, we'd really appreciate you reaching out and spreading the word to them. Let them know we're here, that we're working hard, and uh, we'd appreciate getting their stories and uh, and their support. We definitely need people to email and call the legislatures, particularly the House uh, Health and Human Services Committee and the Senate Public Health and Welfare Committee. Um, we need emails and phone calls. Um, so, and we have uh, that information available, again, on our Facebook page. There's a, actually a photo album. I saved everything in, as JPEGs. And in that photo album, it says Kessleg, which is Kansas Legislature for short. Um, Kessleg information and stuff like that, there's, uh, all of the contact information for the committees are in there. Um, and then also in that event, if you click on the Step Up for Kansas, the Safe, uh, Kansas Safe Access Act event, uh, all of their contact information in meme form is also in that event. So their emails and their phone numbers. So we would appreciate the support because we did hear from dealing with the delegation from my own county. They said they absolutely pay attention to petition response and they absolutely pay attention to when they're getting a lot of phone calls and emails about a certain topic. So it does count and it does matter. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to issue a, a call to action. We have uh, the Heartland chapter and the Midwest chapter, both centered in Kansas. And I will, uh, uh, do a call to action uh, to lend the support of all of our members out that way. And, uh, you know, it's, it takes a drumbeat. And uh, we know that <clears throat> the changes happen when enough people, there's a tipping point that happens. And when enough people do enough things, it's probably a vibrational thing. I don't know exactly how it works. But when we all push in whatever way it is, whether it's a thought or prayer and action or some combination of them, when enough of us lean hard enough, that's when those things happen. That's when it changes. And that's that's what we need to do. So um, well, I'm, I'm encouraging everybody. I'm going to go on and put a comment on. I think I've already signed the petition, but I'm going to go on and lay a comment down. And 
when if you retweet that, I hopefully I'll see that and then I can forward it around. I'm not much of a Twitter guy, but I will uh, uh, make an exception in this case and uh, see what I can do to get it to bounce well, around a little bit. We'll also print those comments out and uh, submit them. And uh, yeah, we're just trying to spread the word. As usual, the cannabis media is ignoring us completely. So with yeah. Westward and other people, not open. <laughs> they they yeah. only pay attention if if it's if it's well. I don't, I don't want to get in here and bash on anybody, but yeah, but it's difficult to get their attention on important issues. Let's say that <laughs> it's difficult. It's just it's really hard for all of us. As hard as we've been working, when they go, these are the states that have bills in session. This you know right now, and everybody's on the list right. of Kansas. So I always have to go and go. Okay, here's my press release. Uh, here it is. Here we are. And so, luckily, Normal did put something out, and uh, you know, I sent it to all the big boys. So we'll see. I sent it to Ethan Nadelman, um, and I sent it to ASA. I sent it to MPP. So we'll see if the word gets out. I kind of wonder, though. I, I look at our board members and go, you know, we've kind of come a long way flying under the radar, and maybe that's what God has appointed for us, is that we just it's fly under the radar. Yeah, I it, said it, so, you know. It's hard I, to say what what is going to be the magic bullet, but um, <laughs> we know that uh, it, it at least has the ingredient of enough people trying and enough uh, enough voices speaking as one. So, all right, Lisa. Yeah. Well, I appreciate uh, everything you're doing, and I will, uh, I will go and uh, find that um, petition again, and I will find an, a way to put a comment in there, and I will, uh, you'll, that'll happen tonight. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. We have yet to hit a thousand, and it's that's kind of killing me. So I appreciate it, and please, everybody, keep us in prayer and positive thought. That counts so much. So, uh, just good to talk to you, Joe. I miss you. And, uh, I miss you too. You well, I look forward to, uh, you know, I'll be heading back out that way one day. And, uh, you know, if Shana's trial gets underway, I will do what I can to be out there for that. And, uh, you know, hopefully I'll be able to get out, go out there and celebrate the fact that you guys did it. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, brother. Amen. <laughs> All right. All right. You well, we will talk to you one. soon. And you have a fantastic rest of your evening. Okay, so now we're going to bring up um, some of the team, and uh, we lost Lisa, so if anybody wants to send Lisa a message to say get back on here, because now we're going to go ahead and uh, begin our second half discussion here. Um, So I'm going to begin by bringing up the team and introducing you guys. Uh, This is something that I think everybody needs to understand, is the human solution has been around for uh, almost seven years now, and uh, you know, we uh, were born in a fairly organic way, and uh, we're probably one of the only organizations that I know of that um, has a you know complete fair election for all of its positions, including CEO and all of the other every every position is an elected uh, position, and um, we had our term elections just this last September. And so um, the team that we have now, are some of the members are fairly new to the organization, and some of them have been around for a while. And so I uh, want to do some introduction here. Um, before we do that, I uh, just want everybody to realize that 
Uh, this radio show is brought to you by the Coffee Party Radio Network. And the Coffee Party is a partner of the organization of the Human Solution. We are uh, we formed an alliance, a formal alliance, that there will be some sort of a an announcement in the near future about that. But uh, uh, thanks to Bobby Rodrigo and uh, and the rest of the team, um, we're we're of like mind and and we're looking to make change in the world in a in a similar way. So. Uh, this show is one of many on the network, and there's a bunch of great programming. I believe there's a show every day of the week, uh, and oftentimes it's new content. So uh, if you go to this show um, virtually any time, uh, or this station, there will be a show, in my opinion, about every day. So check it out, see what's going on. Oh, good, Lisa's back. All right, so we're going to begin. Uh, I'm going to start from the top and work my way down. So... Uh, we have Kathy Z, Kathy Zaman Jerome, and um, Kathy Z has been a board member. Um, well, since the since since we got 501c3, and she remained a board member uh, during the election. And um, Kathy is an incredible individual. Um, I met her in my own backyard. We were having a educational um, seminar or workshop sort of thing. And uh, she showed up as a guest, uh, as a member of one of the other organizations. And uh, she was one of those sort of last-to-leave folks, and we had a great conversation. And um, most importantly, my wife uh, took a shine to her, and she doesn't do that to everybody, to say the least. And uh, I can remember uh, making a... uh, an offer to her. I, she was just, you know, seemed to be a very special person. I said, you know, if you ever need a place to be, you know, you can always, always consider this a safe place. And um, little did I realize that uh, a year or two later, um, she was going to be a significant. Actually, it wasn't that much later. The first time was um, months later uh, when I was originally charged in 2010. Um, I was given a uh, $100,000 or $120,000 bail, and uh, Laura Roberts and Kathy Z put their funds together and put the money up that got me out uh, initially. And then uh, three years later, when they violated my bond and doubled my bail, I didn't know that I was ever going to get out. And um, at that point, uh, Kathy was a was a roommate of mine at that point, and um, she took her retirement and uh, put it up. And I walked out of the Twin Towers in Los Angeles uh, directly as a result of of her uh, selflessness. And um, so, it's an incredible person that puts their money where their mouth is. Um, she's got a wealth of experience, and she's joined me on many, many a court, uh, a court date. And she actually, even though she had a difficult time traveling, flew up to Montana and was there um, while we were at that uh, sentencing hearing we were talking about. So, anyways, uh, Kathy Z is a board member, and she's got uh, quite a voice and uh, quite a passion, and uh, she's here as part of uh, part of our team. And so anybody who's listening right now, and if you happen to 
um, get a notion to want to chime into the conversation. You're welcome to be a voyeur, but you're, if you decide you want to uh, join into the conversation or have a question for any of the guests involved, um, all you got to do is hang up or, or log off and uh, call in. And the number is 646-929-2495. And our amazing screener, non-compliant Mary, will put you up in queue, and you'll be able to uh, uh, say your piece, ask your question, get your answers. And that's what this show is all about. So speaking of non-compliant Mary, Kathy, welcome to the show. You are live on the air, and uh, you are part of the show now. Can you hear me, Joe? I hear you loud and clear. Oh, good. I have my yep. earphones in so I can't hear the echoes. <laughs> oh, well, good for you. All right. Well, we're going to introduce the rest of the team and 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 continue on down the road here. So we have up next, um, last year um, we were doing a lot of conference calls. And uh, when we started the UCCA, um, we were having calls that were uh, generally about some of the stuff that the Human Solution does. And at the time, uh, this woman named Mary Donnelly would call in, and she was a defendant at the time. And I can remember I was actually uh, working in a greenhouse um, uh, doing some farming, and uh, I had the phone on, you know, in my ear with a earbud, and I was working with my other hand, and uh, uh, Mary would come on, and she would have this amazing insight. And I can still remember uh, we were talking about court support and, um, you know, the our etiquette and how to keep away from, you know, causing trouble, causing harm to our effort. And uh, she would bring up this notion that these bailiffs and the law enforcement people were just like us, and, you know, they just needed to be educated. Uh, they just needed to understand what this was all about. And she always took it upon herself to to, to share with them, you know, uh, some of the insights of what was really happening. And, and she always had this amazing way of looking at everything in a, in a positive light. And I uh, fell in love instantly, and I uh, said to myself, she needs to be with us. <laughs> and... Um, Last year, uh, in March, I think it was, or April, um, made a trip up north uh, to uh, announce, well, we had actually finished paying off James Benno's bail, and we were going up there to do that, but we had also had a big press conference uh, about this lawsuit that was getting filed, and um, I was able to spend a little time with Mary on the trip um, from Sacramento up to uh, Redding, or, you know, Shasta County. And um, we got to spend, you know, a couple of days together, more or less, and got to know her even better. And since that time, she beat her case and um, uh, is realizing some of her life's dreams. And uh, she also happened to get elected as a board member, and uh, she's also our non-compliant screener. So uh, I think you guys are all going to get a kick out of Mary, and so without further ado... Mary, welcome to the show. Present and out of custody. Currently out of custody. I love it. Yes, Yes, yes. present and out of custody. That's what you say when you're in court and uh, uh, you're declaring your presence there. I love it. Um, So anyways, I'm going to continue down the line here, and then we can get get our discussion going. 
Now we have uh, an amazing woman, um, you know, a previous incarnation of this organization um, came out of this bus trip, actually, um, and, uh, you know, some of the members and I, or some of the, 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 the riders and I got together and, you know, decided to form this alliance and, and out of a kindred spirit and a, a common cause and all of these things, and we, we joined forces and, um, you know, did the legwork, the groundwork uh, that, that created the 501c3. And, uh, you know, as, as time went by, um, differences in our personalities and possibly agendas or whatever it was happened, and, and we ended up parting ways. And when that was going on, it was a very difficult time because, you know, you spend time with people and you care about these people and you uh, don't want to cause them harm, but you can't stand them at the same time. And you you have the responsibility, both a fiduciary and a moral responsibility, to do your job and, and, and support and, and, and um, manage and, and lead this, an organization. And it's, it's a very, very difficult time for me. And um, we had brought... Becca aboard as our bookkeeper, and um, she had this amazing voice of reason, and it was <laughs> hard to find in those moments, um, but uh, she, she stayed the course, and when we went through our transition, and, and, and I was dedicated to holding the boat steady while we were changing the guard and, and allowing there to be a, a, a full election and and plenty of time and plenty of of ability for anybody to participate in any way they saw fit and through all of the 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 grief and drama that ensued for a brief period of time becca was always the one um that just was steady and when things went tough and rough and and when people would would walk away and not be able to handle it becca was the one that showed up and uh i it's it's such a refreshment to work with somebody who's reasonable every time every time she's there she's I can count on Becca to be this rock of of reason and stability and on top of it she's an amazing wonderful creative person anyway so she um isn't always super outspoken but this is an opportunity that you guys get a peek in and listen to what really goes on in the background and Becca I am just honored to uh be working with you well, thank you, thank you. <laughs> and finally, and really, we have really outspoken. What? Go ahead. I said I'm actually very oh. outspoken. But oh, okay. Well, kind of um, you 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 have your your way of being outspoken. Then, <laughs> anyways, um, finally we have um, Lisa, and I met Lisa through an entirely different um, avenue, and she, Lisa's a cancer survivor, and um, some of the work I do on that front um, brought Lisa into my life, and, um, you know, Lisa became part of our little familia here <laughs> at Willow Creek Springs, and she started showing up for court support, <clears throat> and she started watching what we're doing, and she started to uh, participate and and chime in her two cents, and, um, you know, it, it, it was sort of a snowballing effect. And then uh, she jumped in and, and was willing to take over the role of membership coordinator, which is a very important role in the organization. And 
I watched what she was, you know, willing to do while she was still going through her own personal trials um, and, and always held uh, the organization and our efforts and, and uh, the work we do as, as important as it is. And she was always supportive, you know, when things got tough. She, I, I never had to worry about, you know, oh, geez, I hope she doesn't go off the deep end because sometimes people do that. And uh, uh, even when she went through some real difficult times and needed, you know, some space, she was always, uh, uh, I could always reel her back in and she was always able to focus. Well, uh, Lisa has become our vice president, and um, she just recently trained um, Debbie Pickle to be our membership coordinator, and so um, in the next weeks and months ahead, I believe we're going to notice a big change in the human solution as we now have a full executive team in place and, and able to work together as such and not everybody having to do five different jobs. Um, I, I, th I think it's going to make a big difference. Um, hopefully we'll get Mike to join us next week, and we'll actually have the whole board here. So, Lisa, you are now live on the air. And with that brings um, the new version of the Cup of Joe radio show. And what we've decided to do, as I just think is, is so important, we're always meeting with these conference calls. And uh, the people that are currently um, live on the air are once or twice a week on a conference call having similar discussions. And I thought to myself, you know, it'd be great to get more people to participate, and maybe if they were to watch and listen and see what we do, um, that exact thing could happen. So um, that's what we're going to do here. And I want to—we've got about 40 minutes left, and I want to sort of break the conversation into two pieces. Um, we have sort of ongoing conversations uh, at our executive calls in the mornings, and. One of the things that we're constantly working on is <clears throat> the legal clinic, and so we're gonna we're gonna get into that. But first, um, one of the things what we said we were gonna do was to talk about the radio show itself, and um, you know this is a a two hour uh, once a week opportunity that we have that uh, you know we could literally do anything with it, and so. I wanted to use this open forum. Now, know that Michael Minardi is supposed to be calling in um, at one point. When he does, we'll shift the conversation to the legal clinic. Um, unless he doesn't call in, then we'll shift it in about 10 minutes. But um, I think that I want to talk about the the show itself. And one of the things that we wanted to talk about was, uh, you know, different topics to bring into it. Um, different guests that we would want to have come on, um, any differences to the format or, or you know, uh, um, you know, all kinds of different things. In the past, we've had a lot of uh, things that used to be very part of the show that have sort of faded away, and I don't know if it's because I stopped pestering everybody about it or, or what, um, but we used to have a lot of uh, sound bites. We used to have uh, chapter leaders um, call in and just leave a message on the Human Solution um, uh, voicemail, and that would be their 
their soundbite, their update, their chapter update, or a defendant would call and, and, and make an update, or there'd be all kinds of things. So I think I'd like to promote that idea as well. It looks like Michael has joined us now, so we're going to shift our focus to the legal clinic, and uh, we're going to introduce Michael Minardi. Um, now, Michael is an attorney um, out of Florida, and um, he has become part of part of the team. Uh, Michael's a, a young attorney who's got a lot of experience, and he's successfully argued um, medical necessity defenses in in Florida, where there at the time was no defense available to a defendant, and um, he's been on this show a couple of times before, and um, he's currently uh, in the process of becoming part of the legal team, both for Shauna Banda and for Chris Lewandowski. So, Michael, welcome to the show. I know you've got about 10 minutes to join us here. Um, I'd like to hear uh, how things are going with you and if there's any updates on either of the two cases you've been working on. Hello, how you doing? Everything is um, moving along wonderfully with everything here in Florida. We also just passed, you know, medical by 71% here in Florida, but unfortunately I still have patients under here, uh, under fire here in the state of Florida, including veterans that are facing, you know, probation and loss of their medication, requirement to maybe go back on pharmaceuticals and things like that as a result of having to go on probation and not being able to use cannabis. So, you know, we're working hard. We're having a good time trying to to make change and educate people so that hopefully juries will find um, people not guilty based on a medical necessity defense. You know, it was established really by Robert Randall in the D.C. Circuit uh, area and then you know, we had Alvi Musiki here in Florida and Norm Kent that established that defense here in Florida, and I've been used successfully used that, you know, numerous times really in addition to the not guilty verdicts, but in presenting it to um, prosecutors and, you know, um, being ready to fight it and to use it in trial in order to get reduced or, you know, charges dismissed in other cases as well. So Chris's case, you know, is... Um, in Oklahoma, it's uh, a very, I guess, difficult area to practice in and to be able to educate people on the medical uses of cannabis, especially for someone in his position that's done, you know, 13 tours and has fought for this country and then uh, unfortunately caused severe trauma to him as a result of his time in the war and resulted in, you know, his illness that he has today that he just wants to use a plant that's been seemingly over and over testified to by, you know, veterans as to being a safe and effective medication for them to treat their PTSD. So it's um, really sad, but we're really excited about it. So I am going to be waving into that case uh, very shortly. I just got my certificate of good standing from Florida, and we'll be sending that in and filing a motion with the court over there in order to get involved in that case. So... We're we're just getting our doctors together and we're getting our medical records together to be able to show, you know, the severity of Hill's illness, uh, the effect that it's had on him and the medical benefits that cannabis has since he's been using it. It's absolutely amazing what this plant can do for people. So that's a quick update on a little bit about Florida and patients in Florida. Well, you know, um, 
you you brought up a point that I think is is huge, and you know when you're dealing with uh, the legal system anywhere in the country, um, there's sort of this. It's like a big chess game on some levels, and there's uh, layers of it from the charges that get initially filed uh, to bail um, being set or or raised or reduced to terms of bail to um, preliminary hearing and additional charges and every step along the way it's there's this you know um, uh, action and counteraction and all of these these it, it's almost a dance but it's I, I I view it a lot like a chess game and you know there's there's offensive moves and defensive moves and and sometimes there's a move that is just a show of force, just a uh, an ability to bring something to bear can carry a lot of weight. And I've watched what happens in some cases when a, um, a high-profile attorney that successfully won very difficult cases joins a team. Um, I've watched what prosecutors do, and in some cases, you know, they triple their team, and in other cases, they fold. Um, and, but bringing together... Um, part of a team that has successfully argued something like a medical necessity. I, I could only imagine that in, in a lot of cases, uh, a prosecutor doesn't like to lose. Um, that's one of the reasons they settle so many cases, because they don't lose. They win every case they settle. And, uh, you know, if a prosecutor starts losing, it's, it's, it, it reflects negatively on them. And, you know, they don't, they're not long-lived in their, in their position that way. Um, when when they see something like this happen, um, first of all, they're probably not aware, you know, initially what's going on. They do their research and they find out, well, this guy has uh, successfully argued this case, and then this case was dropped. And this, you know, they can quickly find out the history of of your F, of your work. Um, what do you think? I mean, how how uh, influential do you think um, it has been in, historically, and and it's going to be as we move forward, uh, just coming on to the team, getting, you know, uh, bringing this to bear? What do you what do you feel the effect yeah. of that is? You know, I can't really, I can't answer that question. I think, you know, we will see after we start moving forward on this and start, you know, trying to defend it and present our case and, you know, argue these types of things in court as to what will happen. So, you know, I'm I'm just worried about this poor man as a patient, his ability to use cannabis, and his ability to be free, and you know, really honored and treated as a hero and not a criminal. And so, you know, that's my main concern, and everything else, and the effect this has on anything, or um, it, it is really, you know, I don't know. I really can't answer that question to tell you the truth. Well, that's that's an honest answer. I, you really never know what's yeah. going to happen. And from courtroom to courtroom, that's like reading a jury. Um, well, one of the things that we're doing right now is, uh, you know, we're trying to make an effort to uh, raise funds for Chris's legal defense, including, you know, your travel expenses and whatever else is needed. Um, these these cases are very costly. Even when the attorneys are being compassionate, um, especially when it's an out-of-state case, you have to travel every time you uh, need to make an appearance. Uh, you know, there's there's costs involving expert witnesses and subpoenas and every other thing that you might need. Um, and what we've come up with, and, and 
got the whole team on the on the air right now. Um, that we came up with an idea that I've seen work in the past, and it's um, putting together uh, an auction. And um, we're going to be unveiling our pages on the website uh, in the days coming um, that are going to show the first items uh, that are going to be available for auction. And uh, it's going to give an opportunity for members to donate items um, as a tax write-off, um, get a receipt for the value of that item or the value that you know gets ultimately donated for it. Um, but it also gives an, a, a, an opportunity for somebody to make a donation and get something back in exchange. You know, uh, some folks uh, will gladly you know bid on an item, but aren't the one that's going to you know just drop drop the money in the in the basket. Um, and it's been my my experience in the past and my limited fundraising experience. But what has worked has been things like this. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's one of the things that I'm I'm hoping is going to you know bring in some funds for you know Chris's legal defense and uh, the other the other uh, you know campaigns that we're currently underway with. Um, and so, you know, just wanted to bring that to light as well. Yeah, and you know, if people want to support this industry and change in this industry. You know, I'm hoping the cases like this, and I must say either way, you know, win, win or lose, and whatever happens with these cases will hopefully have a ripple effect across the country in regards to one number one. I, I would hope that there's some outrage, and maybe we can get organized significantly and nationally in regards to a veteran that has done the types of things that he has in duty, you know, sending him to prison for a plant. I, I mean... Just the thought of that is just ludicrous. And then, you know, we haven't spoken about it yet, but I'm also going to be working on and actually just got waived in today or the motion was filed to waive me in today. Shona Bonda's case, uh, Shona Banda's case in Oak, in Kansas, in Garden City, Kansas. You know, same thing with her. The woman has been through so much medically and cannabis has been something that has been a godsend to her. And, and obviously, you know, if you read the Bible, there's many indications that, you know, if you are religious, that God put every plant seed on this earth for us to be able to use as in all different ways. And cannabis certainly can be used in all different ways. And there's one of those medications that is a miracle drug, I think, for many different illnesses and many different people that I talk to on a daily basis. So we're also fighting this in Kansas, same you know, type of issue, a possession of cannabis case for, you know, a mother who has Crohn's disease and has been suffering from it for a great deal of time and has been through surgery after surgery and medication after medication that has failed her. And she wants to use this natural plant and she's being persecuted for it as a result. So these are very important cases, I think, as well as many people hopefully across this country that are in states that may have some type of medical necessity defense, you know, can see this and maybe have the courage to stand up behind it, you know, even though the majority of doctors in this country now, I believe, support you know, the ability to use medical cannabis and the majority of people in this country clearly supported the use of medical cannabis. I think it's high 70s was the last poll that I remember seeing. So this is something that uh, our legislation and our laws have to catch up with our science and the rights of people to use a plant to, to medicate themselves. 
Well, you know, it's interesting, um, these points that you brought up, it's almost as though you were sitting on the show from the beginning. Uh, in the beginning of the show, I brought up, uh, uh, you know, the point of why we do this. You know, um, four years ago, we were up in Missoula, Montana, uh, for a federal defendant sentencing hearing. And that trip, we, you know, we're on a bus for 10 days, um, you know, in, in the beginning of February, uh, and it was quite an adventure, but uh, we planted the seeds that are the modern-day human solution on that trip. And, um, you know, it, it wasn't about the defendant. It was about uh, our, our, our rights, our freedoms, the civil liberties. And, um, you know, in my case, uh, that was dismissed almost four years ago now. Um, the same thing. It was never about my case. And these are the same thing. Uh, here we are. You know, four years later, after all of this mess, and we've still got these cases that are bigger than the defendant. And yet, the defendant is the personal side of this. If this defendant, if either of these defendants end up getting sentenced to prison, it'll be just the biggest travesty. And um, you know, we we can't let it happen. And and that's sort of the driving force in all of this. And then later on, we had uh, Lisa Sublet on from Bleeding Kansas, and they just introduced yeah. uh, legislation um, in Kansas that would, if it were to pass, um, essentially give Shauna that defense. Um, and, uh, you know, if the worst thing had happened, it would give her an appeal out of it. So um, there's a lot of people working yeah. in a lot of different angles and directions. And hopefully, you know, like I said, when enough of us push hard enough in the same direction, um, you know, that's when these big changes are going to happen. So, um, does anybody yeah, on the line have a question for Michael or a comment or anything that you want to add to it? Michael, I just want to thank you for what you're doing. That's no. uh, We need people up there to speak for us, and a lot of us just don't know what to say. So it's much more than money. It's you're uh, you're helping people go home to their families, and you're helping other people not ever go through that. So I just want to say thank you. And for each one of the people that you help in court, you help each thousands more that are doing the fight because each time we make a step in this positive direction, we all advance. And I want to thank you so much. Second that, Kathy. (laughs) Well, it's it's my pleasure, and and thank you guys for supporting this cause and getting the word out there and continuing to educate people because that's really what this is all about, educating people on on this plant and really what it can do for people. And, you know, whether it be one jury or one person at a time, we're going to continue to do it until everybody is able to use it safely and effectively and without the fear of arrest and prosecution. Right, and, and the education is for everybody. It's not just for defendants and the public. Like Joe was saying earlier, it's the whole court system. Right now people are doing what they do because it's their job and they make money at it. But the more that we can help educate them as to what this is actually costing people, I, I think it will really make a difference. We, everybody needs to know. Yeah, it definitely does, and the, the effect on society. You know, I just picked up an epilepsy patient here in Florida, and, uh, you know, the public defender was like, nope, I don't think this is any defense or anything like that. And I'm like, you know, some of these people just don't understand the ability of it. It's not jury nullification. This is, you know, technically an affirmative defense, like self-defense. You know, someone's coming into your house and you have to shoot them in order to save your life. That is justified, and that's what this type of defense is. And 
we present it with doctors and facts and evidence and science because despite what our FDA thinks and you know our federal government thinks there is science to show how cannabis works in the human body and how it binds to our receptors and works in our endocannabinoid system in a miraculous way. Well, in this particular case, it's kind of like an uphill battle because a lot of these people's paychecks depend on their not understanding, unfortunately. Well, and I, I think that that is I, what has given me the ability to do something and to educate juries in these cases at a level that I don't know if a lot of people have in the past in regards to the medical benefits of it, my knowledge of, of cannabis and how it works and reading and educating myself on it for, you know, 10, 20 years now, I think hopefully allows me not only to, to understand it, but to put it in terms that the people in a jury can understand it. As the, uh, well, I as think the, that uh, it's, I have a cancer, sir. I don't think I can. You guys hear me? Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm jumping in here. I am jumping in here because I'm extremely grateful for all of you being here, um, all of the time, the energy. Because to me, it's essential civilian demand. It is life and it is death. Without that plant, I would be dead meat. Four years ago, January 21st, I was receiving my first chemo. Chemo may have saved me. The cannabis. Sustains me. It's keeping me alive. I am forever grateful to all of you for helping to keep me alive. That's what it's all about. Amen. I agree with that, and thank you again. And you know, it's interesting because my mom, uh, you know, passed away in '03 of lung cancer, and I had knowledge and was an advocate. And, you know, tried in so many ways to get her to to try to use um, this plant to, to help her, and unfortunately, really was unable to, and she was very resistant in it. And um, so, I understand that, and it's a very difficult thing to see people to go. And I hope that education is is there. So, either whether it be ease someone suffering in their last days or, you know, um, provide them a way out of suffering from a disease. I think it's it's amazing what this plant is doing. You know, we unfortunately in Florida have this arbitrary 90-day rule for terminal patients. So you have a year or less to live, um, and you have to wait and have a 90-day relationship with a doctor in order to get cannabis. And we've had numerous individuals who have died, you know, awaiting that legal dose of cannabis in Florida based on this arbitrary rule that exists with no other drug in the history of man. So it's it's crazy, the restrictions on this. And even though we have medical, we passed by 71%. You know, it wasn't even like it was close or there was any question. It was the highest vote for medical cannabis in the history of the country. And we still have a barrier to it by our legislators and our Department of Health and these absurd rules that they've come up with to continue to prevent people to have something that has still, after 5,000-plus years, never taken somebody's life from an overdose. When we have 10,000 people a day, I think, in Florida still, or not a day, a year dying from opiate overdoses, it's ridiculous. I think if if we look at the overall situation in society, we see that this is playing out in many, many different ways. Uh, it amazes me a lot of the laws that are out there. 
I was just reading something, and it was about prostitution. And they were saying that it's um, even when it's consenting adults, and if one person pays the other, that it's illegal unless that sex is videotaped and sold and taxed. So in other words, <laughs> you can you can receive money for sex if the government gets taxes. You may not receive money for sex if the government does not receive taxes. Now, when we talk about cannabis, the whole thing to me seems to be at this point how much money can, can they make on it. Um, incarceration and arrest and all the myriad of things that go through there, that has really taken over the budget shortfalls. And then we, uh, if we take that away, then we've got Big Pharma that makes billions. Right now, I think cancer is a $39 billion industry, the largest, highest-priced industry we've ever had in the U.S. Try taking that away by giving cures for that. So they need to suppress it to keep the money up. So if we really look at it, if we can get through this, which they got through with alcohol, which alcohol isn't very healthy, but anyway, if we can get through this, maybe in the process people around the world, certainly in America, will wake up to the multiple injustices and look, what is the common thread? There is one there. Well, you know, we um, have, what, 5% of the world's population. We consume about one-third of the world's use of, of prescription medications. I thought it was 85%. And, um, you know, have I been... I read someplace it was 85%. I don't know that that's accurate, but, 85%. yeah. 85%. Yeah, well, the last time I looked, it was, you know, Big Pharma was about a $900 billion industry worldwide, and we consumed about $300 billion worth of that. In, in the economy. Well, we so. also imprison a third of the prisoners in the planet or more. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we exactly. have 5% of the population and 25% of the world's prisoners. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. There's a there's yeah. a lot going on there, and also when it comes to uh, there's everything points to the same thing. This is all about money, almost like we're yeah. just being used or sold or something like that. By and by the year 2020, according to the um, the Truth About Cancer, that documentary that's been going around, they say by the year 2020, 50 percent of the cancer diagnosed in the United States will be medically induced. We are causing it. That's a big thing to swallow. Apparently, one out of every uh, two males will develop cancer here in the U.S. One out of every three women. And it's my understanding as well, you know, especially with children, it's always something through the chemo and, you know, through the medications that they take, they end up ravishing their body later on in life. So it's still young, you know, and they're 18, 19, 20s, even if they make it through those initial stages. So... You know, I had a doctor tell me this basically once. He said, listen, what business model actually stops people from needing to use their drug or their medicine or their product? You know, everything we do as far as business models is you want people to buy your product and you want them to keep coming back for more. And Big Pharma is no different, so... So now here we have cannabis, which can cure quite a few different things, which seems 
rather odd, almost like, oh, yeah, right, Some you've got a, a miracle drug here. It's got to be a snake salesman talking or something like that. But we had Dr. David Allen over here the other night, and he was explaining about homeostasis, and he explained it in a really simple manner. He held his, um, his hands apart. He says, on one side, we have death. On the other side, we have death. He says, life is in the middle. He says, homeostasis. Is finding that sweet spot when you're the furthest away from death on both sides. He says one side, no water, and you die. The other side, too much water, and you drown. Homeostasis is that center sweet spot. He says cannabis is all about homeostasis. So it mm-hmm. heals so many things because it helps our own self-correcting body of cells find the sweet spot where it can heal and address whatever's going on. It's simple, really. As a pediatric oncology nurse, I understand that it is the over uh, control for all the hormonal systems. So, therefore, that explains it working on so many systems when you look at the action that it acts on the cellular level. Yep. I would agree. And you're, you're, yeah. The medical behind it the and the information on a cellular level that we know now is amazing. And um, so. so we're in this unique position to break through that veil, to get something through that will help people actually be healthy. And the healthier we are and the more educated we are, the more we stand up and we think for ourselves. We used to teach critical thinking in schools. Now that's suppressed. And people like us, we're going to break that barrier, and everybody's going to start breathing it. Mm-hmm. This is a very exciting time. Well, and, and I want to bring up this point. I think that this is important with our civil rights work and, and you know, the things that, that brought us all here, is that as much as as we have all this corruption and we have this institutional um, mammoth wall to break down, we live in the maybe the one place or one of the places in the world where when enough of us get together, we can get it done. We can make yes, it happen in a nonviolent way with just enough of us standing up and saying it. And, and it's, it's, it's a strange thing because right now with this change of power, uh, there's a lot of Americans that have decided they're going to stand up and say something. Regardless of what it is, they're saying something. They're standing up and saying, I'm not happy about something, and I want to see some change. I just can't help but think that this is the time that we can get our message out effectively, effectively enough and reach enough people that are already either off their chair or getting off their chair and willing to take some action. If we can just bring this message clearly enough to them and and attach it to their heartstrings and get them to to you know realize why it's so important it's a specific message that is something that can be accomplished um both on a state and federal level and i just can't help but think that right now is our time to make our big rush forward I would absolutely agree with you and you know this last election i think said a lot about that not only with the presidential, but remember we did go from four legal states to eight. We added some medical states, and again, Florida, you know, 71%, seven out of ten people. I think you can go into any room and find a group of ten people and ask them about almost anything, and it would be hard to find seven out of ten people 
agreeing with with one thing over the other. Um, so it's very well, exciting. And action and I begets thank action, you all and I for, think that's what's happening. We're starting to gain some momentum here. Yeah, people thank you all really for all your work. And, and, and people are I starting to realize it. that they're the majority and not the minority and that they yep. can stand up. I would agree with that, uh, absolutely. So I, I have to go. I appreciate you guys all doing this show, and I look forward to hopefully being on again in the near future and working absolutely. with you all. And, you know, well, I appreciate you, Jay Michael, and I appreciate your uh, continuing support of these efforts, and uh, we're right there with you. Once again, folks, Michael Minardi, uh, attorney. And, uh, Michael, can you give us a contact if somebody needs to reach you, has a case, or wants to uh, help out in some way? Do you have a way that you can be reached? Yeah, the best way would probably be either um, MinardiLaw.com, M-I-N-A-R-D-I-L-A-W.com, or emailing my assistant, um, the wonderful Mary, at M-E-R-R-I at MinardiLaw.com, M-I-N-A-R-D-I-L-A-W.com. So we're always looking for assistance with Regulate Florida in Florida and time, talents, and treasures to any of these cases that people can give us to help out and really be a positive impact in changing the dialogue on this issue, hopefully, not only in Kansas, Oklahoma, Florida, but across the country. So thank you very much. Beautiful. Well said, Michael. Michael. And again, thank you for all you're doing. My pleasure. Have a great night, you guys. Bye. Thanks. All right. You do the same. All right. Once again, folks, Michael Minardi, um, and uh, he's a very uh, important part of the team on some of these cases that we're currently uh, supporting. And, um, you know, it's this is what this is all about. Well, we got about six minutes left to get into our legal clinic. And, you know, part of what I wanted to do was have a place to go if the normal guests didn't call in or if we didn't have, uh, you know, there's never a shortage of things to talk about. But um, this is an opportunity for us to uh, continue our ongoing discussion about um, the legal clinic, which is really uh, the human solutions big footprint right now. Uh, we're working on a lot of things, some fundraising, some membership drives, some some cases, but frankly there are not nearly as many cases uh, where defendants are standing up and fighting as there once was. Um, and uh, the ones that are, um, we need to uh, bring attention to them. And that's what we've decided to do is to create a resource on the website uh, that, an, a, that a defendant can be um, – directed to, and that's sort of our, our entry point into uh, offering assistance. Um, and one of the things that we're doing right now is updating this website, and we've actually had a number of defendants uh, sign in on it, and it's a, it's a place for attorneys uh, like Michael Minardi to um, be featured and uh, for them to have a place where they can uh, offer assistance to a case, as this one is. Uh, and you guys, I think that's one of the things we need to think about right away is, um, you know, we're talking about building this website. We have um, a number of good pages up. In fact, I'm going to go to the website right now and just review where we're at on the uh, on the legal clinic with the website. So we talked about... Um, 
So if we go to uh, thsintl.org, the main website page, uh, you'll come up to a button right next to community service of legal. And when you click that button, um, it talks about this project a little bit. And it talks about the things that we are uh, looking to offer and the things also that we need. And those things that we have listed right now are civil rights attorneys willing to take uh, willing to, who are willing and able to donate their time. And uh, uh, we have Matt Pappas and uh, Jen McGrath who have taken on some cases, and we also have uh, Michael Minardi. We're definitely looking for um, more attorneys willing to step in. Uh, Self-help videos and brochures, this is something that we definitely could use help on, both in production um, writing the scripts for these things and uh, uh, the whole, you know, both everything from narrating them and also videotaping and producing them. And web assistance right now, um, Becca Nichols is uh, pretty much doing it all. <laughs> I mean, uh, some of us are adding a couple of things. We've got a calendar that we're starting to uh, participate in again. Uh, we got a blog that uh, we're getting some um, participation in, but Becca has done the lion's share of, of all of this. So if somebody is um, capable and willing to help out with the website, um, and uh, that's definitely something that we could use some help on. Uh, research resources, we have uh, uh, one of our members was, was being very active with research for a little while, and we have a, a wealth of some documents uh, but we're, we're, we don't have anybody really putting in a lot of time onto research right now. And finally, billable hours uh, towards cases. You know, if we have a defendant who, you know, is stuck with a public defender or uh, has an attorney that's not being very cooperative, which happens all the time, uh, if we get somebody that's willing to step in and, and uh, either become part of a team or, or donate, you know, hours towards the case, um, that would be huge. You guys have anything else that you could think of that we might need to, to add to this? We do still need more um, more cases that were won or more motions that were won, examples that we can put up there for defendants to follow along. Absolutely, and that's one of the things we talked about. Uh, we actually had a number of attorneys say that they were going to uh, – uh, donate copies of uh, drafts and of motions and uh, writs and um, that sort of thing of legal legal papers that they had successfully argued in court. At this stage, we don't have any of them. Um, I I definitely think that that's one of the things that we could that we could get to. Um, well, I'm gonna. I just think that's a vital component. Yeah, I agree. I think that having a uh, a library, and this is where Bobby Rodrigo comes in too. Bobby's going to be joining us either next week or the week after, um, and talking about this. But um, he has access. He's part of. He's members of a couple of different uh, legal organizations, and what he's told us in and told me separately is that uh, he has. There's pro bono sections to some of these attorney groups, um, attorney associations, and um, he says that it, what we're building 
he says is going to be really a world-class um, effort that isn't really – it's a vacuum that really doesn't exist out there. And he he believes having a legal library of um, case law, um, again, all of these, these legal papers that have been written, he says could ultimately and will ultimately – uh, be a resource that attorneys around the country would would want to use. So I think that that's going to be a critical a critical part of that. All right. So the next thing we've got, I'm just going to be real quick. We got we're going to go a, about a minute overtime here. Um, we have helpful links on here, and right now we have um, a few links. I think we talked about having links uh, broken up into um, sections. So right now, if you hover over helpful links, it just takes you to this one page. I think we were talking about adding a page of links to um, other organizations, and I would say we want to put a page up to links for attorneys um, that are uh, participating right now. And I would say right now, um, having a having a link to Michael Minardi's um, office would be a good one uh, to start with. Um, then the next one we have is Need Help, and that's basically our initial contact, um, and this is an important one. This is the first place that if you call into our, um, our hotline and uh, say you've got a case or you need help or whatnot, that's the first place that we go. I get all the I get all the time people that say uh, I need I need help. I need this. I need that. And um, the first thing that we do with that is we say, well, we need you to go on and tell us a little bit about what you need. Tell us a little bit about your story. And it also gives them um, a little bit of homework to to show that they're willing to put an effort out. And finally, we have are you a legal professional? And this is hopefully one that's going to get used a lot. Um, and I think that one of the things we need to think about is starting to uh, share these pages around a little bit. Um, for any listeners, if you could take a minute, go through the website, let us know. There's a place for comments all the way through this, um, anywhere on every page. If you see something that you'd like to see added to or you see a problem or, or something that you know shouldn't be there or whatever, um, Put your comments on the page. Let us know what you're thinking. And um, finally, I want to just mention that uh, this show today um, was the first show that we're going to be doing these sort of live discussions about uh, some of the pro projects we're doing. And I want, before this show is over, for us to set the tone <coughs> for the next show. Um, what do you guys want to get into uh, for next show, as I had two or three guests that were supposed to call in today that didn't, and uh, assuming that that happens probably at least half the time, um, we, we could end up with you know 40 minutes to an hour of time that we need that we have uh, to discuss any of these items. So anybody want to throw something into the ring? What we need to to bring into it? About well, I love the, the hand kind of thing, and I love the Form 95. We've already had them on, but I think it would be good to kind of reiterate a little bit about that. Okay. Um, and so Becca said fundraising, and that's definitely I, – I, I definitely want to bring that 
as as our human solution discussion into that because that's as a as a nonprofit organization it's so funny because one of the key roles of a nonprofit is actually to raise money and we're horrible <laughs> at it i mean we're the worst <laughs> money raising yeah, organization there ever was <laughs> i mean we need we've, a lobbyist. we've we're we getting money, but not getting money. <laughs> yeah, we don't want you to have money. We just want you. <laughs> so that being said, um, we live in a world where if you have a little bit of extra money, uh, you have a little bit of extra freedom. You have a little bit of extra extra uh, ability to do things that you couldn't do without it. And so um, I definitely think we should discuss uh, the auction that we talked about and some other fundraising ideas. And let's think about, you know, it's not about the money. It's about what can we do with it? What can we do to, to uh, you know, further our mission and to uh, help more people uh, accomplish the things that we set out to um, with it, what's keeping us from doing that sometimes. Uh, so I, th- I think that's a good discussion, and we'll we should frame that up as part of it. Now, Mary, you're talking about uh, the Form 95. I know that um, Dolores, um, who who had uh, come on the show, and she was the one, I believe, that was talking about that. Um, yes. She has offered to help out the legal clinic in a number of different ways, so I think that we should um, have her come aboard. She's talked about coming coming forward as an expert witness, um, and you know she's a nurse by trade, and so I know she has a lot of abilities to participate. I'm going to reach out to her to have a conversation about um, working closer with her, and uh, we can include Form 95. But I think the Form 95 should actually be um, included on this legal clinic, and this mm-hmm. is a, a, a resource, something that some this is a self-help legal clinic. This isn't. You know, you walk into our legal office and we just have this whole team of people. This is, I want to make a difference. I need to help myself or somebody else. What do I do? And that's that's the legacy I want to I want to bring forward into this and say, look, this is something that you can do, and all of us can file this form 95. And uh, I think that's great. The talk to the hand campaign, um, Amy Don. I have been frankly trying to reach her for two and a half months, and so if any of you has better better luck at it than me, um, I would, you know, be glad to have her come back on. I just, uh, I met her in Oklahoma and um, have had a hard time getting a hold of her since. I know she's gone through some personal issues, and that's probably a big part of it. So, all right, well... Um, Right. Let's go ahead and draft up. I'm I'm good. I'm game for another live one next week, um, and let's let's do it and see where we go. And maybe we'll go do two, take one off. We'll we'll see how it goes. Randomly, we said we were going to be present on the air, so um, I pre- appreciate you all for being here. I think we need to uh, make a bigger point of sharing the show around a little bit more. We had uh, not a huge listenership that was live on the on the on the phone but oftentimes a lot of people are listening on the internet and that aren't on the phone that I don't get to see those numbers till later so anyways I appreciate everybody that's been a part of this show and making it what it is and we will see you all next week Hi I'm Willie Nelson and the Willie Nelson Tea Pot Party and I endorse the human solution 
supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done, you were always on my mind.